Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, September September 7th, 2022. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 26, the second paragraph, starting with, So he returned to this doctor, going through two paragraphs, ending in that was the great physician's opinion, commenting on both paragraphs. Today's readers are, and thank you so much to Team Wednesday, Ramona A., Vanessa G., Susan S.H., Esther F., our newcomer greeter Kathy M., and our host Janice P.M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, September 6th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 19,371. That's 19371. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting yesterday, 19,372. That's 19372. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At our Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Esther F. to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Esther. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you so much, Esther F. I will now ask for Susan S.H. to read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Susan. Good morning. This is Susan S.H. in Ohio. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. <clears throat> Seven, or six, I skipped one. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from <clears throat> our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they, are, they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you so much, Susan. Thanks for jumping in there on the fly. Much appreciated. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you will hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our absent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book. 
We are in the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 26, starting with the second paragraph, going through two paragraphs, and I'm going to ask Ramona A. to get us started. Go ahead, Ramona. Can't wait. Oh, hi. Thank you. Um, this is Ramona A. in Vermont, a greatly recovered positive overeater, and thank you, everyone, for your service. So he returned to this doctor, whom he admired, and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems, yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Why was this? He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never again regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was a great physician's opinion. So um, in looking back over this, let me put my timer here, that uh, I can so relate to this, not in not in every point, but in, in similarity, that I only found a doctor, a, a psychologist once, who told me the truth. That was in college, and she said, well, you'll lose the weight when you grow up. I was so offended that I left and never went back, so that took care of that. But um, I did have, I did with all my heart want to regain self-control, and I didn't even know what that looked like, but I knew that it would mean that I didn't continue to gain weight every time I lost it, you know, and and uh, that I wouldn't say, oh, I'm not going to eat that, and then I would eat the whole thing, you know, and I began to suspect myself that I had an illness, but I didn't know what to do about it, and I felt totally hopeless. Um, at the same time, I, yes, I had the unmanageability, but I also held down a professional job had a marriage, a home, a, a child, you know, that, and lots of good friends, et cetera. So it looked, looked okay on the outside anyway. But when I came into OA, when I wanted, I wanted the truth. I, I wanted help. I didn't know what it was going to cost, but I wanted help. And I found it in OA. It was the only place that, that I could see that, you know, that there was going to be help for me. And even then, though, for a long time, I I felt hopeless in it, that I was always going to have to be, you know, like 30 or 40 pounds overweight because I could lose the rest, but I just could not, uh, you know, get out of the yo-yo business and the relapses when I was in, even in OA. And it came down to be that... Um, you know, I I was just so so humiliated, so you know, humiliating myself all the time, and um, that was wherever I was, you know, and so it it really really was going to destroy me completely. But when I came to vision, for one thing, I found out this when we started studying the big book that there was a, a truth here, a truth that was the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, and the truth of working the steps all the way through, and the help that I could get from that, and I decided that, yes, 
I had to hire a bodyguard, and I expected to live long. But the bodyguard was OA, and the bodyguard was the steps, and the bodyguard was my higher power. And these would give me freedom. So with that, I passed. Thank you so much, Ramona A. from Vermont, for getting us started. Okay, so although we value everyone's experience, strength, and hope, uh, we like to have you, if you spoke on either Monday or Tuesday, if you kindly step back and let others share their experience, strength, and hope, that would be greatly appreciated. So who would like to share on what was read? First name, Anna initial Marie last name. Method okay. R. Anne Marie K. Anne Marie M. Debbie V. Nancy M. Nancy B. Was it? Ken W. H. Ken W. H. Mary M. Terry M. Loretta H. Loretta. Okay. I guess what I have Anne Marie K, Nessa R, Nancy M, Nancy B, I think, Ken W H, Terry M, Loretta H. I could take a couple more. Jasmine S. Jasmine. Sharon C. Debbie v. Sharon Debbie C. I'm going to hold there. Debbie, get you next round. Okay. Okay. We've got ourselves a lineup here. Anne-Marie K, Nessa R, Nancy M, Nancy B, Ken WH, Terry M, Loretta H, Jasmine S, and Sharon Z. Okay, Anne-Marie, please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Anne-Marie K, Pennsylvania, and I'm a compulsive reader. I didn't think I would resonate with this, but after listening to what I just read, it occurred to me how many years ago I also had been to a psychiatrist. And even though I wasn't there about my weight, it was in the bottom line of my thoughts because it was always there. And I really I remember him saying to me, you know, you can keep coming here and telling me what you think I want to hear because it's your dollar, but maybe you want to get honest. And I remember on page 58 of the big book where it's just about the people that are incapable of being constitutionally incapable being that was me. And uh, there's still days when I wonder, even on physics steps, I feel like I've been recovered. I wonder sometimes if maybe there's still something I'm not holding, that I'm holding on to. And I have to really look at that. Um, I'm so much just trying to understand God's time. And, you know, it's a process. Even though I'm 69, you know, when you do something all your life, it's hard to recognize. But the good thing is, I do recognize more and more each day, and that's why I've decided it's important for me to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning now and change my, change my morning meeting, uh, just to hear maybe what I haven't heard yet. And uh, to be completely honest as I can be, so that I don't have to have a guard. You know, the great thing is, I do have, I feel as though I have food neutrality. There are days when it still talks to me. You know, I know something. I must be holding on to something. And that's what I want to strive for. Have my higher power help me to recognize that maybe I'm, I'm you know, what the block is that I'm having right now. 
And uh, I've heard that often times in meetings, you know, if I'm still holding on to something, he'll reveal it to me. So I just have to maybe take a little bit more time to listen. And uh, like I did today, it's amazing to me how many times, as it says, the right answer will come. It's a big one if we just relax and, and meditate on it. And I think that's where my higher power is taking me right now. So uh, on that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie Kay from Pennsylvania. Uh, Nessa R., you're up, followed by Nancy M. Go ahead, Nessa. Hi. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, um, he seems quite rational and well-balanced. Um, and I think this is Roland Hazard describing himself, and I think that the key word here is seemed. I think he seemed to himself, I wonder if he seemed so rational and well-balanced even with respect to other problems um, to other people. Um, I know I seemed quite reasonable and balanced uh, to myself. Um, you know, and this is like the, I guess, you know, compare the effects of alcohol and drugs with the effects of food. I mean, this is a big difference, you know, like, the effects of alcohol and drugs are very immediately punishing uh, and severely punishing, uh, you know, most of the time. But with food, it's kind of like a slow boil. You know, it's like, you know, the heat gets turned up gradually, little by little, that we don't notice, that I don't notice until like I'm totally boiled. And so, you know, I thought that I was reasonable and balanced, you know, like I, I could hold a job even though I was fired from two, um, but I, I, I still hold a job and I, you know, didn't lose my house, thank God, didn't lose my husband and my children. Um, but um, I very severely mangled those relationships. I had no friends, uh, but suffered promotion because of, you know, the way I behaved, you know, many times. Um, you know, I was so unhappy and everybody around me was unhappy. And yet I convinced myself that, you know, it's just only in this one area that is a problem, not everything else. And the truth is that, you know, when I look at step one, you know, admitted we were powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable, you know, the food comes first and the unmanageability comes second, you know. Um, I don't eat because my life is unmanageable. My life is unmanageable because I am a compulsive overeater because I overeat. And, you know, once I put down the food entirely, I let go 100% of all my trigger foods, ingredients, and behaviors, and I work the steps, then it's unbelievable how manageable my life um, is, you know? And it didn't happen overnight. I mean, the, the, the big book does caution that there's a long period of reconstruction ahead, not only with those around, not only with those around me, my family, my friends, my loved ones, but, you know, uh, my own life, you know? It didn't go from... Uh, unmanageable to, unman to unmanageable to manageable overnight. Um, but it did happen. And it, is, it continues to happen. It's not something that ends. It has like a, a, a goal. It's just something that grows and continues to grow and get deeper and better. Um, um, it all starts with putting down the food. And, um, and that starts be with being honest. Mm -hmm. I think I, saw, I heard the timer. It may seem that I'm reasonable and, 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 and um, um, but I'm not. And I have to admit that to myself, my life is unmanageable because 
I am in the food and, be, and without a task. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nessa R. from Toronto, Canada. Next, we have Nancy M. followed by Nancy B. Go ahead, Nancy. Nancy M., star one to unmute. Grab that mic. I think that was Mary M. Okay, Mary. Uh, well, could well could be. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for moderating. And uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for the shares. The lead was wonderful. Um, I love this. Uh, this tells me exactly what's going on with me. Um, you know, he seemed quite rational, well-balanced with respect to other problems, uh, yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Why was this? Um, I've, uh, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I've addressed those problems um, with another program. I've got some time. I tried to, um, I tried to, work uh i tried to use that other program for my food my other sponsor for my food for the longest time trying to put the food down and um it, it brought me to my knees i just it just didn't work and so until i came to the vision um i was able to um to address that really look at the truth and the truth is, is that why don't I have any control? Because I'm powerless. I really uh, worked that first step, um, applying it to food and being with you guys and having a sponsor, um, which reminded me that, um, you know, lack of power is my dilemma. And so... Um, so today I use that power uh, in in people and vision and, uh, you know, to help me to make sure that um, I stay abstinent today, that I hold on to that, that abstinent date uh, with, uh, you know, having um, OA in one hand and God in the other and going about my day and uh, helping others I'm sponsoring right now, which is huge. And, um, and this is, it, it's really working as long as I stay in the middle and know that I'm not the power, that food isn't the power that um, the God of my understanding is. And, um, and I find that God in various ways. So I'm truly, truly grateful today to wake up this morning and um, and not craving, um, you know, that favorite sweet that I always did. So um, truly blessed today. Thank you again. Thank you, Mary. Uh, where are you from, Mary? Mary M., where are you from? I'm sorry. I'm uh, Mary M. from Chicago. I'm a compulsive overeater. Sorry about that. Yeah. No problem. Okay. Thank you, Mary M. from Chicago. Now we have, I think, Nancy B. 
Nancy, did I hear you? Or did I get that wrong? Not a Nancy? Okay, well, we'll circle back if I didn't have that right. Okay, Ken W.H., you are up. Please go ahead, followed by Terry M. Well, thank you so much. Glad to be here this morning. This is Ken W.H., Recover Compulsive Eater from North Carolina. <clears throat> um, I was like... Um, like Roland here, I was looking for a professional god. Uh, and I think Roland thought he found one in Carl Jung. Um, I was looking for uh, a professional uh, solution, someone who would uh, make my behaviors make sense to me. Um, I wanted that solution. The best professional had no solution, or the best professional of the time had no solution. And uh, it turned out my my condition, my uh, my behaviors, were a mystery even to this professional who did not hold a degree, uh, a doctorate in mystery. Um, and I struggled with that for a long time because I wanted everything to make sense. I wanted me to make sense, and um, it was a fruitless. Uh, pursuit um, until I came to an understanding that uh, that was a hopeless pursuit to find that professional, perfect, intelligent, uh, sensible solution and was able to finally begin to understand that I lived in a mystery under the power of a great mystery. Uh, in Latin, they call it the O Magnum Mysterium, the great mystery. And I think Carl Jung uh, came to a place where he understood that there was something going beyond him. I don't know that he would have called it a great mystery or he would have called it God, but he did speak in terms of uh, the need for spiritual um, reality and a spiritual solution. And that was the case for me. Um, I had to come to terms with the fact that um, I was dealing with a power greater than myself that there's no way in the world I could fully figure out, but I didn't have to. All I had to do was embrace that power and let that power um, have its way, have God's way with me, um, and solve, be the solution to the great mystery that I still don't fully understand. And that's a blessing and a gift. And I'm so thankful for it. And I'm thankful for all who have shared. And thank you for um, letting me share. And I pass. Thank you so much, Ken W.H. from North Carolina. One more shout out to Nancy B. Hey there. Okay, I must have had that wrong. All right, we have Terry M, Loretta H. Terry M, please go ahead. It's your turn. Terry M, press star one to unmute. Wow, my hearing must be really off today. Is there no Terry M? 
Okie dokie, we'll move along. Loretta H., it's your turn, followed by Jasmine S. I know I heard Loretta, so Loretta, please go ahead. Thank you, Amy. You sure did with your special voice. Uh, Loretta H. Uh, recovered, and thank you, everyone, along with my precious God who saves my life on these meetings every morning. He, The whole truth, that was my whole problem was the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I went into a job in 1968 where there was a weight restriction and I was almost fired. In 1985, I actually entered OA but did not have the spiritual solution. I only came in for the vanity and was destroyed by my insanity. And my company actually did an intervention, had me going to a psychiatrist and an eating therapist and blah, blah, blah. And I just went in there every single week at $500 a pop and lied, just lied my way through the whole thing, which I think lasted for four or five years. Um, And then, of course, my desperation in 2001 after my dad had died and I didn't show up because of my eating issues, Um, because by that time I was eating at myself. I actually had become very anorexic, but the last six months of that was actual, I couldn't stop binging, and the weight was coming back on, just like when I was almost fired from my job 35 years earlier. So as a result, um, and I couldn't pull that mattress down like Bill did, I actually, and it's all God sighting, and God, um, my first sponsor was a nutritionist, so she taught me how to eat. She also ran to big book meetings and got the solution out of this book. And I am so grateful because my middle name is control. My middle name is willpower. I am, you know, it's just, I always thought because I survived so many things in my childhood and it was a survival mechanism that I could survive this. But it is a spiritual malady. And today I consider my abstinence as spiritual and my food plan is a tool which I still text to somebody and have for all this time because I need to be honest and accountable because that is my first problem, the first day I came into OA as a truly, truly fearless and honest person and did an honest day's work was the first day that I actually, I, I, I didn't have a God at the time, but I used my sponsor or anybody else. But I started saying yes, ma'am, and not yes, but. And it has worked. It just, it works. And I found more and more of that hopelessness that I can get help for because I am a hopeless um, compulsive overeater anorexic. And through my own will, I will either kill myself or somebody else. And with that, I pass. Thank you, God. Thank you all. Thank you so much, Loretta H. And we're going to have Jasmine S. and Sharon Z. But let me just remind those who might have come on a little bit after when the meeting opened, 
We are on page 26, the second paragraph, uh, going through two paragraphs, ending with that was a great physician's opinion. Okay, Jazz Mass, you're up. Please go ahead. Yes, can I be heard? Yes. Hello. Okay. Um, yes, I wanted to say to echo something that someone else shared a few shares ago. Um, Jasmine, about, can you introduce yourself? Oh, I'm sorry. Jasmine S. from Virginia, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I wanted to share that um, the, sorry, I'm a little nervous. This is one of the first times I'm sharing, second time actually, but. You're <sighs> welcome. Okay, <laughs> thank you. So the, the person that said that they wanted um, a professional, or they, they saw themselves in, in the book about wanting a professional reason um, for their eating. I feel that a lot going in and out of that. I'm uh, about five months into my recovery now officially. I dated my abstinence five months ago when I started getting an actual food sponsor. And by the grace of God, I've recently gotten an actual sponsor to help me walk through the steps that is not my therapist. Because for the longest time, I feel like I have wanted not that there isn't merit in acknowledging your trauma and healing from it in your past. However, I've wanted labels, and I felt like if I can label it, then I can fix it. And I still go in and out of it with questioning and putting my worth in my absent meal plan. And if I slip up that day or I even have a thought of something that's not on my food plan, I feel like a failure. And that, for me, is a warning that I'm in a place where I'm still trying to control this. And I need to release that, and I'm grateful for this meeting and this morning and this book that I can quickly be reminded and get back on track to look up instead of at myself. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Jasmine S. from Virginia. Welcome aboard. Okay, Sharon Z., and then we'll take some more names. Go ahead, Sharon. Hi, I'm Sharon Z from Saranac Lake, New York. Recovered. Um, grateful to be on the meeting this morning. This is my second time sharing on the meeting. The first time I shared um, was when I announced myself that I was on the meeting the first time, and I am so grateful that I did that because so many people called from the vision meeting to welcome me, and some of those people I have a relationship with uh, over the phone, and um, I have been blessed. And I just wanted to comment about the reading this morning and the word hopeless. Um, I, when I came into program. Um, I felt very hopeless. I have felt hopeless about my compulsive overeating since I was, I literally felt hopeless when I was six and eight years old about my compulsive overeating and have felt hopeless decades about it. And I don't feel hopeless today. I've worked through the steps with my sponsor, and um, I'm hopeful 
due to willingness to work the, the steps. And um, I'm living in steps 10, 11, and 12 now. And um really grateful that the great physician's opinion, Dr. Young, um, that we have found out more information since then. Um, that we don't have to be under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if we are expected to live long. Um, and I am so grateful for this. Um, yeah, um, that's all I have to say. And uh, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Sharon Z from Saranac Lake, New York. Welcome aboard as well. Um, okay, so we're going to take more names. Again, if you share it on Monday or Tuesday, we ask that you allow others to share their experience, strength, and hope. And I think I heard a Debbie as I was wrapping up the first group. So, Debbie, if you're there, please let me know. I'd be happy to put you in this lineup because I think I talked over you. But other than that, Thank who else you. would like to share? Ross M. Minnesota. Ross M. Who, who from Minnesota? Debbie B. Joe M. Joe, gotcha. And Debbie's here. Thank you. Yes, Debbie, I got you right up, right up top. Okay, so I've got Debbie, Ross, Joe. Anyone else? I could probably take one to two more. Okay. Well, we'll go with those three and then see from there. Okay. Debbie? Oh, I'm sorry. Who was that? Thank you Hello. so much. Thank you. Thank you for your service and thank you for hearing me. And uh, I have a lot of gratitude in my heart for each of you and for this process, my higher power. I'm recovered from a hopeless state of body and mind in Virginia, and my name is Debbie V. This, these two paragraphs lead me to a train through the, um, the big book and more about alcoholism. Most of us, it's the first paragraph, have been unwilling to admit. So these, and of course, I have to be hopeless. Someone had to show me echo the hopelessness, and that's where I was at when I actually met my first guide who met me at a spiritual 12-step um, retreat, and I echoed somehow that echo, echo through the room when I announced myself. I announced myself with a hopelessness, and that was picked up, and I trusted that person because they had experienced strength, hope, and something that I wanted. So I was set up just like, just like um, our fellow was set up here in, in the, uh, the reading today. The messenger came. I had to be willing, though, and I had to be hopeless because that's the biggest gift that I can give, and it's in the big book about working with others. That's what I convey to the newcomer. And then along with the experience, strength, and hope, but there has, I had to feel the hopelessness. I had to know that there was no other recourse because who would be willing to go through, and this is in the big book, all of these steps. I had to be willing to do it. This is a program where I need to do it. It's action, action, and more action. And I'm very grateful to my, my sponsor. It's also paradoxical. And my first power greater than self was my sponsor 
And the biggest gift I could give in sponsoring is doing the same. Speaking of the hopelessness, and then little by slowly through the big book, talking about there is a solution. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Debbie B. from Virginia. We have Russ M. followed by Joe M. Go ahead, Russ. Good morning, Amy. Russ M., Recover Compulsive Reader, Norristown, PA. So, obviously, redundancy here with 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 the hopelessness, and you know, I felt that my whole life. There was there wasn't really a time when I didn't feel hopeless because I was strapped by this disease to the point like when I was about 17, maybe 18. You know, I uh, I wanted to kill myself, and you know, I had thought about it really, really. Yeah, I was thinking about doing it, man. If I didn't have a couple friends that noticed it, I probably wouldn't be here. Yet, uh, you know, when I came in the program, my first meeting, my welcome meeting, my friend Elena said to me, she she welcomed me. She said, uh, you don't have to live this way. It just kicked the door open a little bit, you know, kicked the door open. And I'm like, what do I have to and to be frank with you, still, sometimes that hopelessness can over uh, overtake me. You know, I'm a human being. It's not going to be perfect all the time. Yet, I feel that's God telling me, yo, you got to, I don't want to say work harder, but you got to get out of yourself. You have to dig a little deeper and get closer to God. And that's living 10, 11, and 12. Yeah, that's, that's my greatest hope. When I hear those, those numbers... That's when I know I could stay free, you know. And uh, the point is, we don't have to live this way, you know. I, I, Roland, I identify so deeply with him because, you know, you know, basically, you know, uh, Doc was saying, "Yo, dude, you're pretty far gone, man. I don't know what's going to happen. Yet we'll try this thing with you." And thank God for all that because I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. None of us would be here that have recovered you know, that are working this program. So the gist of what I'm saying is that, you know, we don't have to live in hopelessness if we work this program and live this way of life the way it's mapped out in this book because it brings us closer to God. And look, if he could get me out of 45 years of destroying my body and just being so compulsive in my life, he can do, he can do anything for anybody. So have a great day. Love you, and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Russ M. from Pennsylvania. Okay, Joe M., and then we'll have time for a couple more names. Go ahead, Joe. Please go ahead. Thank you, Amy. Hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a compulsive overeater from Minnesota. He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems, yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Before I got into recovery... I thought that my problem was lack of self-control. And of course, why wouldn't I think that? That's what I had been taught. That's what I had learned, you know, for years and years and years. I'm lacking self-control. So if I thought that my problem was lack of self-control, then of course the answer to that was to apply self-control. And I tried that over and over and over again. And, you know, I get a lot of credit. I think we all get a lot of credit for all the effort that we made before we got to OA, before we got to the program. Because, you know, I, in my experience, we're, we are very persistent 
diligent people in trying to attack the problem. But because I didn't understand the nature of the problem, I was applying the wrong solution. And so today, when I try to apply self-control, I'm completely on the wrong track. The only solution for me is to surrender to a power greater than through the working of, of the program, through these steps. Um, and that's my salvation today. And it's very, um, it's very humbling to do that because I don't get my own way. Um, but that's my freedom is in not getting my own way and not trying to have self-control, but to allow power greater than myself to have control. So that's it. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe M. from Minnesota. Okay, who else would like to share? We're on page 26, the second paragraph, going through two paragraphs. Who would like to share? We can take a couple of folks. Scott S. Okay. Okay, hold on a second. Everybody came in at once. All I got was Pamela. Sheer F. Sheer F. So I got Pamela, Sheer S, and who else? I'd probably take one or two more. Raquel from Israel. Scott S. Who was that? Scott S. Scott. There we go. All right, let's go with these four. Let's see if we can get you all in. Pamela, I didn't get your initial share at Raquel from Israel. Scott up. Um, um, my name Pamela P. from New York. All right, Pamela. Your turn. Yeah, hi. My, yeah, so um, I just see read that paragraph, like hopelessness, Um. Like God had took me from so much before. When I ended this disease, I constantly go to God because I could get in a real dark, low place. Um, I understand when I read the bit about alcoholic and what they go through. I go through the same thing with a food disorder. And to me, a food disorder, it works because everyone must eat. And so... You know, just being around others who don't have this disease and they have a normal eating habit, sometimes it's hard that I can be around them, either my loved one, either my partner or your parent, because I have this disease, and when I'm not eating, I just can't be around food. It's it just it, a compulsive to eat until you get sick. And eating something that could trigger me, you know. So I said nothing too hard for my HP, which is God. So I I don't feel hopelessness, but sometimes I just feel like it's just a constant struggle. And then sometimes I just feel a, a moment of serenity, like, okay, God, we could do this. We could get through this day without picking up. And right now, you know, I I'm just feel, sometimes I feel triggered, sometimes I don't. And I got to isolate myself a lot for my loved one. And it's just hard. It's been very hard having this disease and lately. Um, but I'm praying to God for serenity and do what I need to do. So I don't trigger for today. And if I slip, I'm not going to be hard on myself. 
I know God is with me in the program. And for that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Pamela. Okay, Pamela from New York. Share us. You're up. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Sheer F, also from Saranac Lake, New York. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, I have to share too. So somebody else is mm -hmm. from this tiny little town. Um, and I'm on the phone list, Sharon Z, so look me up. Um, when I was hearing all this about, um, you know, the hopelessness, and I felt incredibly hopeless when I came in. I was just so powerless over my addiction to sugar, I could not stop stuffing my face with it. Even when my head was absolutely pounding from it, I would just be sitting there crying and hurting and shoving more into my mouth. And I never had any willpower whatsoever. I could never stay on a diet for more than a few minutes. And I, so I, you know, when the OA literature, it always talks about, oh, we had so much willpower. I'm like, yeah, somebody did, but I sure didn't. Um, but I came into OA and I was struck abstinent from the sugar. I had some, I had had, I, I went through phases with different foods and one of them was lifesavers. I would eat pack after pack of lifesavers. And I had half a pack in my drawer for almost a year and I would open it every day at work and I'd see them and I'd be like, eh, whatever. And it was, it was magic. I mean, it was a miracle. Um, I did throw my abstinence away. I, I read somewhere, I think it was in Lifeline magazine, like we don't lose our abstinence, we throw it away. And I threw it away. And then I got it back. And then I threw it away and then I got it back. Um, but I have been off sugar for 14 years and I'm so, so grateful. There's no way I could have done that by myself. It's only by the grace of God and this program and all of you, because um, I hear such hope on this line, and I hear such hope from all my fellows in a way, and I'm just really, really, really grateful. So here's to an abstinent day for all of us. <laughs> Thank you. I pass. Thank you. Sheer S. from Saranac Lake, New York. Okay, Raquel from Israel, please go ahead. Raquel, press star one, please. Hi, Amy. Hello. Can you hear me now? Hello, hello. Okay. Can you hear me now? Good. Yes, I can. Please go ahead. I'm so glad to hear all of you guys. My, my God squad. I guess you're all there already, like a thousand people online, but I feel like so hugged and comforted by hearing all my God Squad people there and those who listen and don't even talk because we're not alone. We're never alone anymore with this issue. I want to concentrate on this, on that sentence. He wished above all things to regain self-control. Good morning. What else? That's the heart of the whole, the whole, the whole disease. To regain self-control. To regain self-control. To accept this. In Hebrew, they say to swallow that frog. That this is not going to happen. I can be. I don't know what. Controlling, not just controlling, but achieving, accomplishing everything. Really, we don't get that badly demolished that fast, like with the alcohol. But but to be so 
so miserable on the inside and such big gap between how the outside and the inside are. And now, thank goodness, even through this big um, hassle that I'm going through of moving into the, the uh, assisted living and figuring all that out and the money and the furniture and yes to take and not to take and what for the books. All this, all this can all happen a lot better when, when I let God control it and not stick, put sticks in his wheels all the time by my self-will. So um, I thank you all for being there, a heart full of gratitude and great gratitude for two new people that I'm working with. They help me. I cannot even tell you how much I, I have to stay afloat and to... It encourages me when I talk to them, you know. God arranged that the ears and the mouth are pretty close to each other. And I can't help but hear how I'm encouraging them. So I want to wish you good recovery, everybody. And thanks for being there. And we are beautiful, wonderful, wonderful people without that control over that one thing. And I don't know if I still have... Um, I, I put my timer on too late. But they, they, there is a legend that says that man has to carry two notes in his pocket. In one pocket, it's God's words. In one pocket, it says, you know, the whole world was created for you. God didn't create man until everything was ready on the sixth day. That's when, according to the Bible, man was created. And in the other pocket, he has to have a little note that says, you know, even a mosquito was created before you. So don't be so high and haughty, you know. So to balance these two things, yeah, we are the crown of creation, man. Okay. Yes. And, and But on the other hand, we know how well, Corona has come and shown us how little we are. Thank you for being there. All the power to everybody who is online and those who are listening. And thank you so much. I pass. Thank you so much, Raquel from Israel. Okay, Scott S., you're going to take us out. We've got two minutes. Hey, good morning. This is Scott S. from Florida. Thank you for allowing me to share. So hopelessness and self looking for self-control. Before I got into a program, those are my two biggest problems. I had no self-control, and I had complete hopelessness. I had tried every diet solution between organized diets, between medical doctors, and the only thing I could think about every day when I woke up was what food was I going to get, how I was going to eat it, and how I was going to forget about whatever I ate so I could just continue to eat more food. And that was my life, day in and day out. So the definition of hopelessness is waking up to that reality and never being able to escape it, no matter how hard I tried. And the more I continued to try and the more I continued to fail, the more hopelessness and caught up in that lifestyle I became until I entered into a 12-step program. And the 12-step program taught me several things. One, put down the food. Get my head clear enough so I can start concentrating on a power greater than myself who could restore me to sanity. Those two things alone 
are not in any other diet program or any other doctor that I ever had. Those two things gave me the opportunity, gave me the keys to say, I don't have to live my life like this. There is a solution for me. And it's a simple solution as long as I work that solution. And that's the key to unwinding out of a completely lack of control, lack of hope life is that there is a solution as long as I understand what that solution is and I'm willing to work it. Thank you for allowing me to share. Perfect timing. Thank you so much, Scott S., for taking us out from Florida. Okay, thank you so much to everyone who has shared. Please join us for another second unrecorded awesome hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 19,380, that's 19380. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Vanessa G., could you please read a vision for you for us? Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Vanessa. I'm recovered compulsive overeater in New Mexico. Thank you for letting me be of service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in this fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.